The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Hello and welcome everyone to Navigating the Cancer Maze. My institute in Australia helps people to navigate the cancer maze all around the world. Today's program, surprisingly, is coming to you from Hong Kong, where it's a uh, tame 3 a.m. in the morning. So today we'd like to look at uh, what we talked about on the show last week, which was actually based on some helpful tools for building a uh, cancer recovery toolkit. So to start with today, I'd like to revisit some of those points and just do a brief overview with you. Uh, judging from some of the emails that have come in from listeners, I think this segment um, has been a very useful segment because what happens with um, navigating the cancer maze is like a maze, people get into it and they get lost and they get confused. So uh, by building a model that people can use to navigate that maze, which is, as we discussed last week, the three stages of healing model, it provides people uh, with cancer with a compass or a guide that can actually self-empower you uh, to assess and then reassess your program. So the model does act like a compass for you to find your way within the maze. It's an original model. And it was, as I said last week, developed out of my work with some 14,000 cancer patients over 38 years. So a lot of my work is actually built on the wisdom that has come from these patients. So before we get on to looking at stage two, which is the will to heal in navigating the cancer maze, we'll just briefly go back and have a look at some of the issues that came up for you in stage one. So I'd ask you some questions uh, based on last week's program. How have you managed your diagnosis would be a first question uh, to ask you. So if you were listening last week and you've thought, well, yeah, maybe I'm traumatized. Maybe there's things I haven't dealt with. Maybe some counseling would help. Um, these are all issues that I think come into the very preliminaries of navigating the cancer maze. So first of all, you have to look at your maze and say, okay, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? How do I want to do it? And in particular, 
who do I want on my team? Who am I going to listen to in order to help create my map? So based on what you heard last week, um, I'd really invite you to think about how you could improve your current situation in dealing with cancer. And what relevance, in fact, does the three stages of healing model have for you or have for your partner? Now, some people navigate this maze alone. Some people navigate it with a partner. And some people navigate the maze with all of the above plus many, many friends and health professionals as well. So it becomes very relevant as to how you deal with the cancer situation and how in charge you are. Um, someone I know called Loretta LaRoche, who's um, an American lady who came out to Australia many years ago, has a really great saying. And she says to patients, you know, who's driving the bus? Are you driving your own bus? And are all these people coming along with you as passengers in the bus? Or is someone else driving the bus and you're just going along for the ride? And I think it's a very good uh, metaphor for working out who are, um, how you're going to deal with the cancer maze and whether you're going to take on this option of self-empowered patient or being a passive patient. And by the way, there's actually nothing wrong with being a passive patient, having a trusted group of health professionals and friends and saying, look, I'm depleted of energy, um, just, just help me out here. Because at some stage, you may be able to take over driving the bus and find your own self-empowerment. We have to be really very careful, in fact, with um, self-empowerment because in Australia, and I'm, I'm presuming this is a worldwide phenomenon because we have a global outreach with our institute and, and get a lot of feedback from different people and different cultures. But um, I presume that this is a common denominator uh, that's going through many aspects of navigating the cancer maze. Um, this issue of getting stressed by trying to de-stress involves um, partners, it involves self-empowerment, um, it involves involves the, the passive patient. So finding out where you are along that timeline can be really helpful in uh, helping you to navigate the maze. I think it is important that patients do feel in control of their situation. Uh, many patients who are navigating the maze at times also can get really uh, what we call it to a point where the self-empowerment can actually become self-destructive. And, and this is just a little pitfall to look out as you start to navigate the maze where you might be um, researching and uh, taking in too much information, going on information overload, which is very much in this stage one of recovery. I'd encourage you also to have a look at the just one thing principle that we discussed last week. And we uh, called that the curly principle based on city slickers, uh, if you remember. So the just one thing principle is about doing just one thing, one important thing at a time, one of the key things that's in your recovery. It's not doing 10 things and maybe an extra 15 things that are going to get you very stressed. So by focusing on the essentials, by focusing on what you need to do to recover, and interestingly, most patients that I've worked with over 38 years, when actually asked this question, what's one thing that you need to do 
you need to contribute towards your own recovery. People often don't have to think very hard or for very long. They actually know this. Um, no one's ever asked them the question. So in doing the one thing principle, you've really got to look at, is it achievable? This one thing that you're, you're going to do and what strategies can you use to make this thing happen? The opposite question to ask with this is how could you sabotage that thing? And we will talk about this in later programs, but many times, even though there's a driver and there's a desire to heal, uh, we find that patients often unconsciously can sabotage their own healing. This is very, very common in the stage one of healing, which is about the will to live. I don't want to die. I want to be proactive. I want to do something and I'm going to do everything as of yesterday. And it's not a very good place to stay in for very long. So we're going to talk in a moment about the will to heal. Um, story was one of the other things that we touched on last week. And I'd encourage you, if you haven't written a journal, if you want to write a private journal, write it, lock it up, put it in a box, know where the key is, it's just for you. Telling your story, I think, is a really important part of recovery. It's very old. It's been in our cultures for thousands of years, written stories, spoken stories. Your story is very important because it actually holds keys to your recovery. Did you open a self-care bank account last week? If not, why not? And can you make practical, doable goals? And if so, what method will work best for you? Have you thought about seeing a professional counsellor or are these issues that you actually feel self-empowered to do something about? What new choices have you made since last week? Uh, interesting to see what you've chosen, what you've not, well, also what you've not chosen um, in looking at how you're going to make the uh, cancer maze more nice. And remember about creating your pie chart or your mind map. Now, you have all those things and if you do need to contact me to get a list of these things, please feel welcome to email me. You can do that through our website, which is www.gracegawlerinstitute.com and you'll find on the contact page there a form where you can email your questions to me. And if you'd like any questions uh, answered about navigating this first stage in the cancer maze, please don't hesitate to ask. So in moving out of stage one, we move on to looking at stage two. And after the break, we're going to speak with Pip Cornall, who's my co-director at the Grace Gawler Institute, which is a not-for-profit health promotion charity located in Australia that has a global outreach. So uh, Pip and I are going to talk about a stage, a stage called the Will to Heal, which is crossing over the bridge from that very busy, very stressful, time of trying to do everything and really fine-tuning uh, the will to heal stage. Now, just in brief, and we'll come back to this also to wind up at the end of the show today in looking at uh, some aspects of the will to heal. Now, this stage is a far healthier stage to be in. It actually focuses more on self-discovery. It focuses on um, the chosen life for you. 
So instead of being very stressed out and thinking, I have cancer, I might die, I must do X, Y and Z and I've got to do it all at the same time, things start to become a little easier in this will to heal. It's perhaps a stage that is more in tune and in cooperation with nature and going with the flow which is the theme of today's program. And in going with the flow, automatically it means that in your cancer recovery program, in your maze, there starts to be a point where there's no resistance. And resistance is one of the things that is a block to cancer patients actually achieving their recovery. So in this stage, actually it's a great stage because uh, you want to live well and in fact, dying becomes not such a, a big issue in terms of you're living life to the full and you're going to live until you die, which is something, you know, we, we all have to do at some point in our lives. We prefer it wasn't from cancer. But by using some of these techniques that we're talking about, this is actually the psycho-oncology of cancer of cancer recovery. So your motivation becomes very different. There's no fear, no desperation, but it becomes actually a search for life meaning. What was considered to be treatment, guess what? It turns into becoming a lifestyle. It's what you do. It's the way you live. And you know you're making decisions for yourself. You're starting to drive the bus. In this stage, emotional healing is important, intuition, awareness becomes important, and what we call self-mastery begins. You practice self-care and you prioritise your needs. And some of these things we're going to be talking about after the break. I note it is time to take a short break. My name is Grace Gawler. And we're here today to navigate the cancer maze. You're listening on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. We'll be back very soon. And I'll be back with Pip Cornell, who'll be talking more about going with the flow and navigating the cancer maze. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back after that break. I'm Grace Gawler and we are Navigating the Cancer Maze. My guest today is Pip Cornall and he's going to talk about ways of saving lives, which actually relates to learning to go with the flow in the second stage of healing. Now, Pip's formerly a PE teacher, an outdoor education teacher, and his career interestingly focused on saving lives in a variety of ways. He's been a surf lifesaver, a river rafting guide, a mountain rescue and safety and wilderness teacher, and he's also been involved with men's emotional fitness. So, Pip, welcome to the program. Hello, Grace, and hello, listeners. Uh, Pip is the co-director also uh, at the Grace Gawler Institute, and his area of speciality is also working with men's groups and men with cancer within the Institute. So... Um, Pip, perhaps we'd like to uh, start here because uh, it's interesting we're speaking on Voice America and in fact uh, our relationship or our re-relationship began in America and it is connected into how we're navigating the cancer maze now. Could you describe to the listeners a little bit about that meeting? Yes, Grace. I came to America in the early 90s and I was very interested in uh, personal growth. I was also uh, an outdoor educator so I found work in uh, the whitewater river rafting industry and uh, I was a ski instructor. Uh, I was very concerned by the uh, youth violence in, in America, so I started training in mediation and I worked in juvenile justice. I, that led me to writing an article in a magazine and the article was called Restorative Justice and Helping Young People. And of course... Grace Gawler, uh, you were there and uh, in Oregon visiting uh, a friend of yours who was a teacher and mentor, and you happened upon this article. And when you read the article, you liked it. And uh, Grace then looked at the name and saw that uh, it was Pip Cornall, my name, and that indeed I'd been her physical education teacher in 1970. Now, this occurred in 2007, so there's 37 years between the two events. Yeah, that's a, a pretty wild thing for, for this to happen. And in fact, at the time uh, when I had uh, been visiting my mentor in uh, Ashland in Oregon, I had been thinking that I really needed to have a partner who could actually do the men's work. We're going to ask Pip a little bit more about that later. But you walked into a very different world, Pip, and uh, the message was the same with saving lives. But, uh, you know, having been involved in so many life-saving activities in your life, could you describe to our listeners uh, what it's like for you entering into this different world of saving lives in terms of cancer? Sure. Look, it was really uh, scary uh, originally. I think like most people, I didn't want to know much about cancer. Perhaps in the back of my mind, uh, there was a fear that one day I'd get it and uh, then I would have the battle, but uh, I didn't want to really uh, think about it until then. Uh, as I started uh, working with uh, you, Grace, I, um, I saw that this was very, very good work and that it was not dissimilar to what I'd been doing in the past, saving lives, uh, helping people, educating people to make uh, the good decisions. And uh, this was uh, very relevant to the work I'd been doing in the wilderness. 
Mm. So, yeah, there are strong parallels there. So I know that many people, um, cancer patients say this to me all the time, that, you know, once you've got cancer, it's like you've just had a stamp put in the middle of your forehead. And um, people around you often find that it's very difficult um, to communicate. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, for yourself, you were awkward um, about this and uh, you've spoken with uh, me quite a bit. So as you embrace the field, um, how did you actually confront those myths and fears of cancer? There's no doubt that talking about cancer brings up fears of your own mortality and, and it's in your face. Uh, so you somehow have to break through that. And again, that's perhaps not that dissimilar to standing at the... Uh, on the riverbank looking at a big rapid with some other guides and, and being scared and realising there's a pathway through this. So you talk a lot uh, with your patients about uh, the uh, health restoration plan, which is really like a pathway through the rapids on the river. So I think uh, a tremendous uh, metaphor there. And once I realised this, I was able to uh, bring all my life skills into uh, the work that we're doing with cancer patients. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I know white water rafting is something that's been really uh, and still is dear to your heart and we'll talk later about some of the programs that you do around that for cancer patients. Um, but given the topic today, can you enlarge a little more on that metaphor about learning to go with the flow and what cancer patients can basically learn from going in the river of life? Yes, Grace, it seems that uh, most humans uh, have, a, have a connection with nature in some way, be it uh, if we're city dwellers, we, we might uh, gain solace from a park or paintings on the wall. Uh, out, in, out in Oregon and Northern California, the, the mountain ranges are just uh, very inspiring and the rivers that run through them, uh, uh, I, I guess they're very powerful aspects of nature and of course the river I think is, is um, uh, a great teacher. Um, there are many metaphors that we, we use from the river and going with the flow is like the cancer patient having to um, go with the idea that yes I now have cancer and being in the moment with that I have cancer and how can I journey through the uh, the river of uh, the unknowns. So going with the flow is an incredible metaphor and saving energy is perhaps one of the great teachers. So if you resist the flow, um, you're fighting and you're wasting energy. And it became apparent to me that cancer patients, many cancer patients that I've observed, and perhaps I would be like this if I was one, they are bouncing from one idea, one new miracle food, a new miracle supplement, a new naturopath, trying to uh, expend a lot of energy and not really just settling down and, and choosing one path and sticking with it. Um, I think you've, you've really hit on something really important. About what is and it's not the what if. So if you fall in the river, and we train our um, raft uh, participants to do this, we teach them to lie back and relax. And so they're suddenly dealing with what is. I've fallen in the river, 
Now I lie back and I relax and I go with the flow. And some people don't do that. They struggle and in, they're going, whoa, what if only? And, and that's not um, very helpful to the journey of the person in the river or it's not helpful for the uh, cancer patient. Have you got any uh, stories that you could relate? Because I know you, uh, as a river guide, were doing a lot of safety uh, checks with people, making sure that people really knew things before they got on the river. And uh, maybe you've got a story that you could share with our listeners today uh, about the consequences that can happen because, again, it's the direct metaphor of what can happen to the cancer patient who uh, stays in stage one of healing and uh, just keeps on uh, going, like, out of control. Yeah, sure, Grace. Um, I was on a, uh, a river, the uh, California Salmon, and uh, I had a group of businessmen. They were all millionaires. It was a millionaires club, and they wanted to run a Class 5 river. And uh, the snow melt had uh, suddenly accelerated, and the rivers were very high, and the guides decided it was too dangerous to run this Class 5 river. The businessmen, being used to getting what they wanted with money, started to talk uh, in terms of... Uh, threatening us with uh, suing us because we said we'd take them on a Class 5 river. We said it would be safer to go on a Class 4 river that day and uh, they were not happy with this, but we talked them into it. Well, one of the boats tipped over on that Class 4 river and these very bravados, big-talking businessmen were in the water and as I came past in my raft, I saw their eyes and they were as big as uh, saucers. And uh, when we fished them out uh, some miles downstream, hanging onto rocks, hanging onto branches and so on, uh, these people were very, very humbled and they suddenly understood uh, what we were talking about. So translating that to the work we do with cancer patients, uh, in, uh, in your work, Grace, you've been working in the cancer field for 38 years and for me now it's five and a half years. And so we, we know stuff that the new patient doesn't know. It's not that fault, not their fault at all, but um, we know what's ahead and we can suggest things to them that uh, in in a situation like a river guide, we would say, we're not going to take the left fork because there's a waterfall over there. Now, if they're going down the river on their own, they will not know this. And that's why I think it's really essential to have a guide uh, to help guide you through the cancer maze. You don't know what's ahead. You don't know if the river splits which fork to take and that's our job to help guide people and say, yeah, we'll take the right fork in this case because that's a safe journey. Mm, I remember uh, Norman Cousins, the late Norman Cousins, who wrote a book called Anatomy of an Illness and the Healing Heart. He had a, a saying that was wisdom consists of the anticipation of consequences. And uh, I think uh, what you've just described there uh, is a really accurate summation. And it's a very uh, true path for cancer patients. This is very authentic. It's very real. Once you get on that path, you know, which direction, which fork in the river do you take? How do you ride the rapids how do you go with the flow and how do you not get caught in the in the eddies even uh, absolutely grace uh, another metaphor comes from uh, later in the year uh, in august uh, september when the river is low and there's not a lot of current 
and we're pushing heavy gear-laden boats down the river. And I remember being told that you follow the little line of white bubbles. Now, these bubbles might only appear every 10 yards or so, but if you do, you're in the current. The current is hardly discernible. So this is another aspect. You have times where the current is strong and you have to um, find your way between the rocks, but you have the other type of river which is slow and the current is not discernible. And yet you will know it if you suddenly find your heavy boat getting into an eddy, which is uh, the calm water, and then you have to expel all this energy to try and get back into the current. And you look up and the other guides who are experienced are hundreds of metres ahead. Now, if that happens a few times, you're falling further and further and further behind. And what I've seen with, with cancer patients is that uh, they too can... When, when the flow is not very powerful, they can fall off the current and then have to expend their life energy. And each time they're doing that, they're getting weaker and weaker. Yeah, that's um, fantastic because I think that metaphor works so well. Cancer patients do expend so much energy in the first stage of healing. And if we cross that bridge from the will to live, which is uh, stressful and striving, to the will to heal, which is more about going with the flow, in that going with the flow, Patients conserve energy and it becomes like filling up your bank account with energy. We'll be back after the break. Um, I'm Grace Gawler and today I'm speaking with Pip Cornall and we're navigating the cancer maze on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. We'll be back with you shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Guller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll free from North America at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Hey, Grace Gawler here, and we're back with Pip Cornall, and we're navigating the cancer maze, and today we're navigating that maze through the metaphor of the river. And in speaking with Pip Cornall during the break, um, 
he actually had some interesting additions to our previous discussion on the rapids and using that as the metaphor in the river. So, Pep, would you like to continue in that vein or in that current? <laughs> yeah, sure, Grace. Um, I think that uh, the realisation came to me in the parallels between the river and the journey of a cancer patient that one of the greatest rapid that a rapid that a cancer patient can face is what we call doctor internet. And uh, this is a very turbulent, uh, whitewater, rocky-ridden road. Uh, there is, as a guide knows, there is a path through all of this turbulence. Uh, for a cancer patient, that path is very hard to find. And the river guide will be standing on the bank with his peers during his training years, and then later on, even when he's fully trained, he'll still be standing on the bank with the peers and they'll be discussing, uh, like, like doctors in team medicine, which is the best pathway to go. So uh, our advice, of course, is for the cancer patient to not to try to go this alone. Uh, they won't know what they're reading if what they're reading is accurate or inaccurate. So they could be easily bounced along in the turbulence of Dr. Internet. And we see that all the time. And unfortunately, this uh, leads to bad consequences in many situations. I think that's a great point. Um, we actually at the Institute have a little section of our work that's called uh, Alternative Medicine Rescue uh, because we find that this is an area where so many people do get caught up with, with Dr. Internet and with reading these volumes of material and really losing the plot a little bit in how they can actually navigate the maze. So, Pip, in summing up... Um, since you've been working in this field of cancer with me that really came out of left field for you, um, if you had to sort of list them, what key insights in just summing up from your river metaphor, um, what key insights could you leave our listeners with? Well, certainly we need uh, to tell patients to find a guide, a very, very good guide, and that would be an experienced guide. So I'm now 66 and in my river guiding work, and on our trips um, rafting for recovery, particularly with prostate mates, uh, you know, I'm just coming to the peak of my guiding experience. It's not about strength. It's about uh, the, the martial arts approach, the going with the flow, the, the Tao, uh, that aspect. So if they can apply that to their cancer healing journey, find a guide who's got a lot of years on the clock. Now, Grace, you've been working in this field for 38 years. Um, I, I learn from you all the time. Uh, my experience in this field is only five and a half years. So that would be number one. The, the number two would be to understand energy and to conserve energy. And again, you and I get to see many patients bouncing off the walls from side to side and not choosing to go with the flow so they perhaps don't realize how important it is but we we can see this life energy ebbing away um, so that saving energy is very very important maybe the two main aspects yeah i think uh, that ties in with uh, last week's discussion when we looked at 
opening the bank account because I find that uh, in looking back with the patients over the years, if I had to say that um, you know their energy was out or, or, or really down, it would be that their emotional bank account, their psychological bank account, their physical bank account, e.g. exhaustion and fatigue, they've really um, expired quite often on a lot of those issues. And now that they have cancer, it's like that they don't have anything in the bank account to actually deal with that. So I think energy for me um, certainly becomes uh, number one in teaching patients the ability, actually how, giving them strategies to actually conserve their energy. Because energy is required for the recovery process, which is actually in cancer, perhaps one of the longest and hardest roads. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess uh, what you've been teaching for years and, and I've learned from you is that uh, the idea of the bank account. So you need to put in more than you're withdrawing. And that's really a, a simple analogy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think if uh, you take away anything from uh, today's show, it would be this element of the, the river as a metaphor in your life and conserving energy and putting deposits in your bank account. Now, I know one of the big deposits that's been in your bank account um, has actually been working in the wilderness. Um, you know, you've been a skiing teacher, whitewater rafting, um, a lot of things. You had a wilderness awareness uh, business at one point. So for you, can you tell us about the significance of nature and wilderness in your life and how you think that that actually tr translates into helping patients? What sort of things happen in the outdoor programs that really put deposits in that bank account? Yeah, sure, Grace. Um, it's interesting that uh, my work as a physical education teacher soon led me to outdoor education because I was getting something from nature and I realised my parents uh, were always uh, taking me out into the forest where I lived in Victoria in Australia. And later on in my life when I came to America, in my rafting work I would spend something like a hundred nights a year, that's nearly a third of the year, lying on the sand under the stars. and. That's an experience that few human beings these days have. It's probably an experience that all human beings once had. So I felt recharged by the starlight and the moonlight and the sound of the river and the river noises, the frogs and the birds. I would lie awake many nights not wanting to go to sleep because I was feeling so filled up and so uh, recharged. When I found the redwood forests of southern Oregon and northern California. I had similar experiences. I'd walk deep into the forest and just sit there and I was getting recharged in a way that I couldn't really explain but it was uh, better than any of my experiences in church, better than any of my experiences following uh, Buddhist teachers or um, gurus in some of the things that I uh, studied. I just found that nature really filled me up. Now, when we take patients to Haubang, which is in the Black Forest area of Germany, in the southwest of Germany, near the Swiss border, near the French border, the forest is very ancient and it has the same feeling to me as the giant redwood forests. And luckily the patients, even, even in a wheelchair, we can go out into the forest just a few hundred metres from the, uh, the clinic, the private hospital, and 
using some techniques which I've learnt in my, uh, my last uh, 12 years as a yoga teacher, centering activities, just quiet breath activities, we can really calm ourselves down. And in some way we can communicate with nature. It's different for everybody, but I know that it helps people recharge and I can see it in their faces, the, some of the lines and the creases um, become less severe when they connect with nature. It's essential, of course, to stop the chatter, and that can be mind chatter, but it also, also can be just uh, chatter between people. We're walking along a beautiful trail. Uh, an example was we took two patients through the forest, and they were so busy talking at the back of our group, they didn't notice that we were walking through a, a river ropes, um, a uh, what would you call it, a ropes course, and uh, there were rope uh, activities in the trees everywhere, but they were so busy talking about relationships and things like that, they didn't notice. So I think um, one of the things I soon learned with uh, people taking them on wilderness events was that they loved it when I asked them to, let's do a period on silent mode. Let's put our phone on silent mode. Let's walk in silence and see what we can take in from nature from both our eyes and our, our ears and sensually. And in that way, I think we get some amazing recharging and that's really putting a lot into our bank account. Yeah, that's that's great. And um, having just recently come back from a tour in, in Halvang, we actually take cancer patients from anywhere around the world and we escort them on a fully supported tour to the Halvang Private Oncology Clinic so that it, it's a really holistic healing experience. Um, another part of uh, Pip's work, he's mentioned rafting for recovery, which comes into also uh, prostate mates. So just before we uh, have our break in the next few minutes, Pip, could you tell us about prostate mates, the program in the outdoors, and particularly about the importance of gender-specific groups uh, for men with prostate cancer? Yeah, sure, Grace. Um, prostatemates.com is my website, and uh, we got a grant from Queensland Rail a while ago, and so I've been going around educating groups of men about prostate cancer. One of the things that uh, many people don't know in Australia is that there are 20,000 diagnoses of prostate cancer each year in Australia compared to 12,000 breast cancer. So it's nearly double the diagnostic rate uh, of breast cancer. Uh, of course, working with men is um, very different to working with women with breast cancer. And uh, the idea of the program was let's talk about it outdoors. Now, if the men are not very well, we can still go outside even if we have wheelchairs. We can sit around a campfire. Uh, it's not a therapy office, but uh, and it's very different. And uh, maybe even with a glass of red wine, which, of course, is... Uh, got antioxidants in it, it's a fermented food, so it's okay for a cancer patient to have a little of that. Sitting around the campfire, being in a beautiful nature environment, we can talk about it and rather than bottle it up. And, of course, the other thing we're, we're um, doing is the, um, the rafting for recovery. So men who are healthy enough to go on a gentle raft trip, that's a way we can get them out in nature. Drifting down the river, sleeping in cabins uh, if they're not well enough, uh, if they're well, then sleeping on the side of the beach. So rafting for recovery is a, uh, a program that we run out of our um, Oregon base. 
Fantastic, Pip. Um, just in closing, is there anything you'd like to say for men with prostate cancer about just briefly the options that are available? Um, not so much the physical options, but um, other things that they can be doing. And uh, if you could just uh, finish on that note, that would be fantastic. And give people your email direct as well. Sure. I'll start off with my email. It's uh, director at grayscaller.com. And uh, yes, look, I think one of the things about prostate cancer is that uh, there are many options and uh, there's, there's a physical option of going overseas for treatment. So we need to be able to think outside the square if we're not happy with the side effects of treatments in our own country, for example, Australia, then we might uh, investigate, say, the German option. There are many options there. There are also options in other countries. But um, a big part of the work is for men to start to be expressive about their feelings. It's okay to say that you're scared. Uh, I'm scared at the top of every big rapid because I have a boat full of people. I don't want any accidents. And I think the wise management of my fear enables me to be really, really safe and on the ball. So it's okay to say I'm scared. I'm going ahead with my, my river journey, my cancer journey, and uh, I'm going to be alert. And wherever I can, I'm going to recharge. Just think of going down that river. And uh, it's like a petrol bowser filling up uh, the, the tank here and then further down filling up the tank there. So being, uh, being in love, having that experience, uh, talking about it, not bottling feelings up, and recharging are very important things for men and to realise there are other options if we think outside the square. Fantastic. So thank you. I've been talking with my co-director of the Grace Gawler Institute, Pip Cornall, and we are navigating the cancer maze. We'll be back shortly on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. 
You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. And welcome back. I know you would have had a very interesting listening session there with Pip Cornell using that metaphor of the river and how we swim in the river of life. So now that you've conserved your energy and you've got some more plans, we'll get back to looking at how this uh, swimming in the river of life and emotional healing becomes an important part of this stage two of recovery, which is the will to heal. Uh, we spoke earlier about the easefulness of the will to heal. It's not an information overload. It's not a stress out. It's more getting contained and making wise choices. And as we use that metaphor as well, you are driving the bus in your own pursuit for your recovery and healing. Now, a lot of these things that we're talking about are actually a part of what we call psycho-oncology. And psycho-oncology actually does take a very big section of the healing pie chart. It's often not something that you will be told about in your classic oncology and conventional medicine uh, pathways. Many institutions and hospitals these days have access to counselling and have access to support groups. But my experience is that many patients these days are actually seeking to do the self-help approach and to not reach out and to take advantage of counselling or therapy. I think for some people that can work, but however, for other people, um, this can actually be not a good idea because it can help to keep you in that place of resistance and a place of non-expression. And as Pip also mentioned, for men, as it is for women, the part of expression in recovery, um, expression through whatever way uh, to find your healing is a really important part of this will to heal. I'm reminded of uh, a lady who came to me many years ago whose daughter had been murdered. Um, she actually had fear that she would get breast cancer. She didn't have breast cancer, but she said, I've got a really strong fear and intuition. If I don't do something about all this grief and all this anger and resentment that I'm carrying around with me, I really don't know how long, and I really think I'll, I'll get sick. And uh, we did some work together. And I found out that she was a, a potter and a sculptor. And so we worked together on the idea that for this murdered daughter, who was very young, she was about five and a half years old, and it had been quite a brutal thing that had happened uh, in this lady's life, an only daughter. And we actually suggested that she start to make a headstone for this child. And this headstone became this most amazing piece of uh, art and craft filled with passion, filled with grief, uh, filled with the life story of actually herself and her daughter. And just that one simple thing actually made a big deposit in this lady's healing bank account. She was able to move on in her life and the energy that was pent up in her body the resentment, the anger, the betrayal, all of those emotions, which we consider as negative emotions. Um, and by the way, I don't believe that there's such a thing as a negative emotion. I think 
all emotions um, are positive and I think the ones we perceive as negative have simply been repressed. So this this lady really found her healing and her recovery in this amazing form. So often you can look in this will to heal aspect and find something that you may be something that you, you once did. I'm reminded also of another story which was very profound for me and for the group that this lady happened to be in. Um, her name was Helene and Helene had been a, a singer, an opera singer. And she'd been a very good opera singer and she had a lot of opportunity and she was looking forward to going and studying in Vienna. Opera had been her passion in her life and she got married. When she got married, she fell pregnant very quickly and uh, life just kind of went along for Helene and she lost her passion. She came to a group. Um, I had groups uh, back in the 1980s where I invited women with breast cancer to come along for a five-day program. And in that program, each woman had an opportunity to tell her story, to be listened to with full attention and without any shame, blame, judgment or comment. So Helene told her story of how she'd had this desire. She now had breast cancer. It was advanced. The, the desire to sing had long gone. And suddenly there was something that awakened in Helene and she started spontaneously to sing. So that energy was still in there and it was still needing the expression and it was the very energy that actually had the power to help heal her. Now, I still get Christmas cards from Helene. Uh, I think it's now 22 years on. Uh, she's alive and well. The interesting thing was with Helene was that the therapies that she was having were deemed palliative. And somehow with just tapping in in this will to heal with her own creative energy, Helene was able to turn palliative into curative. And I've seen this so many times when people can cross into these bridges from the will to live to the will to heal. And next week we'll be talking about the will to know one's purpose and serve that purpose and find meaning in life. So healing can have some very simple yet very profound aspects to it. So if we do summarize stage two of um, this healing journey of navigating the cancer, Maze. Remember, we started out by saying that the focus here is more on self-discovery. Um, what's considered a treatment interestingly starts to become the way you are, the way you live. It's a lifestyle. You've had some ahas in your life. Your emotional healing becomes important. You take over the self-empowerment, the self-mastery. You begin to live your life as if it were a martial art. If you've ever seen anyone doing Tai Chi on the beach in a garden, there's an easefulness, there's a grace, and there's a quiet determination. And that's the kind of energy that we want to get in the bank account for anyone dealing with cancer and making a health restoration plan. In this stage, pretty well with their illness. And guess what? You start to practice self-care and you begin to prioritize your own needs. So there tends to be a congruence between mind and body, 
people tend to become more authentic and they start to realize what their life's really about. And I think that is an amazing, amazing thing for anyone who's dealing with a life-threatening illness to discover. I've been there myself. I didn't have cancer, but I've had a life-threatening condition. I've been to the bottom of the barrel with that. I've lost uh, five feet of colon, um, a large colon and um, five feet of small colon. I've had this experience of what it's like to go to the edge and to come back using these skills and these strategies. So I'd like you to take away from this week these metaphors. I'd like you to start thinking about how you're navigating your cancer maze. And next week, we're going to come back and we'll be talking about stage three and we'll be looking more at strategies and tools for your toolkit for your health restoration plan. I'm Grace Gawler. We've been navigating the cancer maze today on Voice America's health and wellness channel. Please visit our website www.gracegawlerinstitute.com and do inquire about our German cancer treatments. Tours to Halvang Private Oncology Clinic, fully supported uh, globally. Anyone, anywhere in the world is welcome to come on those tours. I look forward to speaking with you on the next show next week. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone.